Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today, we got a great show for wait, you. Wait, 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 Matt. Wait, wait. Hey, wait. It's not two black guys. Oh. First of all, you know my name. I've changed it. It's A Love, Matt. It's A Love. A Love is in the building. Okay. Right. We got three uh, black guys on this uh, call because it's again? a show. Again. Of course, I'm back. This, this interview is big. This is big time. Okay. I have to put my producer hat down and step back to the mic, people. I'm here. All right. Well, today's Please. show, the gang's all here. We got Arlen. I'm sorry, Ayla. We got Sean. We got the lady with the facts. And we have a special guest. Kind of like all the superhero movies, the Marvel Universe, the Avengers, the X-Men, and all the others, here at Two Black Guys with Good Credit, we want to highlight financial heroes, people who are doing amazing things in business that you should know about. And today, we will be joined by an amazing woman. Janice Bryant Harroyd. But before we introduce her, every superhero has to have an origin story. So let's check in with the lady with the facts. Dion, can you give us some background information on Miss Janice Bryant Harroyd? Or JBH? Oh. Yes, Maddie, Matt, it would be my pleasure. And by the way, seeing that it is the month of March, which is Women's History Month, I think it's totally appropriate that our first financial superhero guest is a Shiro. It's inspiring to have this great woman, Janice Bryant Howroyd, as today's guest, originally from Tarboro, North Carolina, a town with a population of just a little over 10,000 people. She was one of 11 children. She's an entrepreneur, educator, ambassador, businesswoman, author, mentor, mother, wife. I could continue. Uh, she is founder and chief executive officer of the Act One Group, the largest privately held minority woman-owned personnel company founded in the U.S. Mrs. Wow. JBH is most well-known as being the first African-American woman to build and own a billion, that's right, with a B, dollar mm -hmm. company. Without further ado, why don't we welcome her in, JBH? Welcome to Two Black Guys with Good Credit. Woo! Hey, hey! <laughs> How are you? I'm fantastic, and I feel good too. Oh, your energy's amazing, by the way. I'm just fiending off it. <laughs> we wanted to come out to LA to see you personally, but obviously, um, the coronavirus has kept us, so we had to all call in, but we were hoping to get to meet you personally and, and do this show. Oh, we're going to do place. that. We're going to do that. Don't worry about it. We're going to do that. Well, <laughs> let's get right into it. Your life story is super impressive, JBH. So can you tell us what your business is? How did you start it? And, and what has it grown into today? Tell us about Act One. Well, you know, when you ask me to talk about my company, it's like asking to speak about a child and that could go forever. <laughs> then, listen, then you guys add to that and talk about my life. I don't know. We don't have time for that. How about highlight version? Okay. We'll take it. <laughs> okay. Hey, and listen, thank you so much. It would have been an honor to visit with you during Black History Month, but I'm happy to be a part of uh of, of Women's History Month, okay? Yeah. Yes. Like <laughs> okay. All right. Uh Act One Group is the uh as you mentioned, mm -hmm. the largest uh workforce solutions group founded by an African American woman in the country. The thing that I'm really uh 
proud of about it, though, is that we have a team of people who operate across 32 countries delivering workforce technologies, protocols, processes, and people. And as we're in the middle of the COVID-19 pandemic, I think what we're doing has just been heightened in its importance by every member of my team. And guys, I know that my Act One Group family is listening to this because we rolled that way. And I, <laughs> I really got to shout them out because anything I tell you about the company is really their story, not just my story. Mm-hmm. Um, we did we we did start out as a staffing company and it was me and a really fancy desk in the front of a really expensive rub shop in Beverly Hills. Today, we are working virtually, and I'm so proud because my team members led me to virtuosity, not me leading them. Mm-hmm. And many CEOs stand up, and they talk about what they've done and how they've led their teams. And certainly, I learned from Maya Angelou not to dim my light that others may uh, shine. So yes, I've done a lot for this company, and I'm proud of what I've done, the technological path that we've taken. Well, let me just say my brother Carlton influenced me to ensure that we were uh, smart about that. So it's it's a family affair. Much of that family in my company in the early days were uh, my mom and dad's kids. But today we are a family of people with many languages and many cultures. <laughs> but the one thing that we all center around at Act One Group is our cultural beliefs and we are, we believe in together we win. That's a hashtag in our company. It's a subject matter in our training and our development. We believe in real love. We teach that. It's got its own logo, real love, R-E-A-L love. love. And um, I'm just, I, I'm just excited about what we're going to do because we're not going to make it through this pandemic. We're winning through this pandemic. And if you guys are teaching anything about financial literacy or financial uh, 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 helping people to understand how to network and network themselves, then you're mm-hmm. teaching them that they can do that and be socially responsible at the same time. So yeah, I am not isolated because I do use technology and I do have faith. Uh, and so when I'm joined with God and two or more, I'm good. Uh, and we're going to grow and win through this thing. And you better believe it. You better believe that. Well, I'll tell you this. I'll tell you this. Um, I've listened to a few of your interviews. I read part of your book. And you're always praising Why your, you read your part staff. of my book? Why you didn't read the whole book? <laughs> I'm going to read the whole book. I'm, I'm, I'm going to read both of them. And and the, what I love about what you're saying is that you were always mentioning the people around you that helped get you where you got. And I think... You know, that in itself, once again, yeah, where you are, where you got, yes. That shows you. (laughs) Thank you for the drive. (laughs) That alone makes you exceptional as a CEO, you know, and as a leader in in what you do. So, once again, uh, you know, uh, uh, praises, you know, I can only say praises. You are a very special person. Well, with that, let me ask you this question, JBH. What gap did you see that gave you the idea for your business? Because we always discuss that a good business fills a void in the marketplace. So what did you see? Let me answer both of those because those are two questions. Um, With respect to what gap did I see? Candidly speaking, I came to California on a vacation. Hey, I'm still on that vacation. uh, (laughs) I came out to visit my sister, Sandy, who was married to Tom Noonan. Now, Tommy worked at Billboard, and he and my sister went off on vacation themselves to Italy. They extended a a, a music conference trip uh, into a vacation. Tommy asked me if I would babysit his office while he was gone because he took his executive aide, Salfie, with him. And during the time he was gone... I did some things I thought were smart. He came back and thought they were miracles. And from there, he encouraged me to hang my shingle. Now, I have to tell you guys, I did not know back then that Tommy really was just asking me to extend my vacation because he saw what my sister and I were doing together and the fun we were having. And she and he had recently moved to uh, L.A. They came out with Barry Gordy when he moved Motown to L.A. And if you know Black history, I don't have to give you that. But he you just had, drop these names like they're just people around sent, the corner, <laughs> like mm-hmm. Barry Gordon. These are all great people, hey, legendary listen, people. Listen, listen, boo, everybody is a person around the corner. You know, if they <laughs> hey, look, if they if they had to go out and find toilet paper right now, they exactly. Be, okay? uh, <laughs> exactly. but, uh, so 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 basically, uh, 
Tommy had moved on to Billboard, and he asked me if I would uh, consider hanging my own shingle. He actually encouraged me that I should do that. Now, if you want some name dropping, let me help you out a little bit with that. He encouraged, <laughs> he encouraged me while we were at a baseball game because Motown used to have all these baseball games on weekends. People would go and play and have fun, and uh, people like Smokey Robinson and uh, Marvin Gaye would be out there. And we're out there, and I'm still, look, my eyes are still wide open because I was like, ooh, ooh, you know, little black head, and I've had a girl from Tarboro, North Carolina, out in California where all the uh, black people look real light-skinned and had long hair like this. And so, and, so, and so I was trying to just get used to myself being out here, and Tom's talking about starting your own business. Well, when you think the way I think, which is the way uh, John and Elretha Bryant raised all of their 11, 11 years to think, Hey, it's an opportunity. I'm going to go for it. Mom and dad told me early in life, they told all of us, uh, the world is much bigger than Tarboro. And when you go out there, you're going to look different. You're going to sound different. So go ahead and be different. Nice. And um, that's what that, that's what I did in California. I decided to be different. I had been searching for work and didn't like the way I was treated by some of the agencies I went through. Boy, that's another show for you, though. And um, mm -hmm. I just knew that once I got my shot at it, that I would remember the things that mattered to me <laughs> and make sure I incorporated them into the principles of how I operated. Now, mind you, in the first days, that was just me on the telephone. Later, I got a fax machine. Wow. What wow. A day. Uh, wow. But uh, that, that, that's kind of how my son, my company was started. I didn't get the idea. Uh, Tommy threw it at me and I caught it. Nice. Um, ah, okay. Does, well, does that kind of answer your two questions? Yeah, yeah it, it, it does. It, it, it also sparks another question about confidence. It, it sounds like you had a lot of confidence in yourself, and, and but how does someone coming from Tarboro, North Carolina, come to, to Los Angeles, and 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 how does how does your your roots, how do your roots in Tarboro, how did that impact? Now let your me let me ask you something. Let me ask you something. Yes. Is, yes, is, is this Sean or A Love uh, asking? Me? <laughs> <laughs> oh no. That's the Green Eyed this, Bandit, Maddie Matt. Matt. This, this is Matt. I was just uh, I hey, listened hey, to. Hey Matt, Matt, yes. listen. Let me, let me just correct you, because, see, you're going to have a lot of people from Tarboro listening to your show when I put on my Instagram when you run it, right? So <laughs> you want to come correct. You want to, you and don't edit me out, because they're going to know, because no, I'm going to tell them. Listen to me. You ask that question, like, how does someone from Tarboro, North Carolina, do what you did? And they are going to be shooting you down, dog, because they're going to say, we got a lot of good stuff out of North Carolina. No disrespect. Understood. Listen, 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 now, I can't, I can't shout it out too loud right now, but Todd Gurley from Tarboro, North Carolina, too. But he ain't, he ain't with the Rams right now, so I got to be quiet on that one. Todd Gurley? <laughs> we love Todd, though. We love Todd. So, hey, you know. But we got a lot of good people from Tarboro, North Carolina. You better go study your black history. I know it's women history month, but you better go study black history month. Put that man in check. He needed to hear it from you. Thank you. I've been, right, I've been telling him for years. To, hey, listen, that's my lesson to all your financial questers, too, okay? Uh, it doesn't matter where you come from. It's where you're going, okay? Yes. And, mm -hmm. and, and, and your question is very well poised. You just shouldn't have thrown Tarbur in there. But it's very well poised. <laughs> and I get the gist of it. And I'll answer to the whole of it. Well, well um, let me correct one thing. Then I, I really, what Because I, I really wanted to know is how much Tarboro and your family and you're growing up there what th those roots, how that played out into your success, because I'm sure it played a big role <laughs> into you. That's hey, what I was Matt. trying to get to. <laughs> hey, man, you got that in good check. Cover <laughs> good cover up. Right? Good cover up. <laughs> yeah, he got that in check. I'm going to give him that one. Uh, it played very well into who I am and where I'm going. Uh, growing up in Tarboro, North Carolina, I knew all of my neighbors, and I understood the value of that as I left for university. When I left Tarboro, North Carolina for North Carolina a and State <laughs> University, I did fight. Uh, I, <laughs> I, I give y'all y'all second to love that. I, I left home with uh, with gifts from neighbors. We used to graduate and have these little parties in your house, and people would come over and bring you graduation gifts. I don't know if y'all did that in Canada. Uh, and um, <laughs> I, I, I remember taking a brown uh, lunch bag. We used to have little brown lunch bags, uh, paper bags. I remember taking that to A&T with me. 
and it had quarters and nickels in it. And those were gifts from grown people, not kids. That was what people thought of me, that they had worked hard and that they wanted to contribute to my success. So uh, when I went to North Carolina A&T, those nickels and those quarters really did help too. They, they, they're a sweet idea, but they were also life-sustaining because those nickels and those quarters paid for telephone calls. Back then we used to drop mm. a coin and dial a number. Um, and they paid for sandwiches across the street of A&T when I needed food and the cafeteria card uh, wasn't paid up. And so what I'm sharing with you is that we're moving to a digitized uh, economy. And I grew up in a world where we actually had coins and nickels that had value to them. They weren't simply uh, they, they weren't simply things we collected, you know, collector's items. And so right. that left home with me, people's hard-earned money. My mom used to sew the uh, cloth sack for a man who worked in cotton, and he'd come by and get her, to, and he used to brag about the size of his sack because he could, he could pick so much cotton in it. That went to North Carolina A&T and to the world with me, that I come from a people who had done field labor. Are you getting the energy of what I'm telling you? Absolutely. Where a penny and a a nickel and a dime and a quarter represented a percentage of somebody's weekly income that they gave to me to share in my future. Where a man who used to pick cotton and the labor that he did off of his back was a part of how I was able to educate myself because he paid my mother to do that. And when he wow. couldn't pay her, she did it as a mitzvah. I had a conversation with somebody earlier today and I said, you know, if you want a, a prescription for a healthy life while you're locked inside, uh, do a mitzvah a day. Okay, it'll keep the doctor away. A mitzvah a day keeps the doctor away. I grew up in a home with that. For your listeners who are not familiar with mitzvahs, those are the good deeds you do. You know, Mm -hmm. as referred to in the Jewish uh, faith, you do a good deed. That's a mitzvah. And my mom taught us that a mitzvah a day keeps the doctor away. Uh, You got three lessons right now on financial wealth, financial living and wealth. Okay, and then the other thing I'll share with you is that uh, Tallburn, North Carolina helped me a lot because it taught me one of the principles that we live by in my company today. Together we win. Boy, did I see that community pull together. We didn't just pull together when it was time to vote for a president, although we did that, or when it was time to put on a, 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 a production for the town of the school, although we did that. We pulled together when folks had trouble at home. I remember during the Vietnam War, I told y'all I was old, I just looked cute. Um, <laughs> I remember during the Vietnam War, seeing my cousin Ruby, who was an adult woman, but everybody was called cousin back then. Uh, I remember seeing cousin Ruby running down the street. People in Tarboro are going to hear this, okay? So I'm telling y'all the truth. I remember cousin, seeing cousin Ruby, <laughs> cousin Ruby running down the street. And y'all say cousin in Canada too. No. Pronounce the S. Okay, you're appropriating. You're appropriating appropriating Black South. Anyway, uh, 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 I remember seeing Cousin Ruby run down the street in tears because, uh, you know, the men from the military had shown up. Because a lot of the guys who died in Vietnam came out of Tarboro, North Carolina, too. Because a lot of black men were sent to the front line. And East Tarboro was black and West Tarboro was white. And Panola Street divided us. So all of these things filled a gap for me that I was not going to be taught in the university uh, that I attended. As wonderful as it was, that did help to platform how I decided to build a company. Not that I decided to build a company, but how I decided to build one. More importantly, how I would determine it would grow. Did I answer mm, your question? Absolutely. You did. you did, and then some. I mean, I heard so much in that, you know, especially community and how you what? pull that off with 2,300 employees across mm-hmm. the world um, is amazing. As you said, offices in 32 countries. Um, I know, Sean, you had a a question here. Yeah, yeah. Here's my question when it comes to growth, which is the question I was leading into. And, you know, I struggle with this, and I'm sure a lot of people struggle with this. It's easy to start up a business. It's it's not as, it's it's not, it's, well, I'll be worthy easy, but anybody can start up a business, start a small business. The question I I like to, I want to ask you is, how did you go from small to medium to global? I mean, how was, how did you make those transitions? And how difficult or easy was it for you? Uh, From, 
small to medium, medium, very unintentionally, and from medium to large, quite intentionally. Shall I share with you what I mean by that? Yes, please. Yes, please. Okay, from small to medium was unintentionally. What I was focused on was giving good value and being profitable at the end of it. And I didn't have a goal in front of what size that would look like. And so I think that was really important for me because let's be honest, our product is people, technology, and, and process. Uh, back then, it was people. And so focusing on the candidate was really important. The candidate is the center of our universe, is still what people at Apple One live and thrive by, and mm -hmm. they do it professionally and passionately. And so it's something that stays with us. As you grow a business, you learn what to shed and you learn what to, uh, what to grow. And the candidate as the center of our universe is something that we have grown from. Once we became a medium-sized uh, business, looking at becoming larger, it had to be intentional because it requires different levels of commitment, resources. Candidly speaking, it also requires quite different talent sometimes. What is medium-sized? Well, that's what I was that's what I was toying with when you were asking that question, because we refer to ourselves as a medium sized business and around some government standards. We are a medium sized business because I mean, a large business is is uh, Google, Walmart, uh, you know, right. Amazon. Um, so for me, I'm mm -hmm. talking about as you scale yourself from small to medium and medium to large, we're in that phase of looking at becoming a large business. Okay. Wow, that's incredible. 32 countries, 2,300 employees, and it's still a medium-sized business. Yes, it is. And I want you to be deliberate in, 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 in that. And uh, maybe you want to do a little bit more thinking about that because um, at the end of the day, the size mm -hmm. of your company is important in some ways. It does have value, bottom line mm -hmm. value, but the real value is in how profitable you mm -hmm. are. And I love your students, your audience, to really focus on being profitable and let size take care of itself. Now, I'm not being right. cavalier about that because everything matters. I'm just saying if you're an entrepreneur, you need to be focused on profit because you can get real big and real broke. Right. <laughs> well, I, I think um, we've covered a lot of really great information. We're going to take a quick break. When we come back, I want to discuss your view on the word entrepreneur. And, and I know you had, from your book, I saw you have an interesting view on it. So we're going to take a quick break and we'll come right back with our superhero, Miss Janice Bryant Harroyd or Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today, we are talking to our financial superhero, Janice Bryant Howroyd, JBH. I, I was reading in your book about your definition of entrepreneurship. You have a really interesting view on it about how employees can be entrepreneurs, how it's not just a business owner. Tell us, break that down for us. Well, you know, we live in a world today where uh, when people come into our offices, let me give as an example, they have their own website. Kids in universities, high schools, even grade schoolers have their own website. Now, that's a very entrepreneurial thing to do. And while it could be seen as narcissism, I see it as people who are very focused about presenting themselves to the world and adding their own sense of their value to how their name is shared. And so an entrepreneur in inherently understands these things, a true entrepreneur. There are people in business who are not entrepreneurs. There are people who started businesses who are not entrepreneurs. In my company, we have many entrepreneurs. These are people who have all of that energy of fulfilling themselves, knowing who they are as deliberately as those kids I just mentioned who start their own websites. And they choose to do that under a brand that they value and that they think they can prosper and eventualize their own wealth from it. We've had people historically in our organization who've come in with high school diplomas and earned six-figure salaries back in the day. Today, while most of our employees are coming with degrees, several of them in many instances, they're still able to uh, potentialize themselves doing what they love. And very often, most often, 
they're taking home more money than the people who've got their shingles hung on the fronts of their restaurants, their barbershops, and their places of businesses uh, in, in a given year. So they are highly entrepreneurial, not just in what they're earning, but in their ability to contribute and collaborate into how we build the company forward. They have voices, their voices get heard. And I think they enjoy that. Do they do that under a roof of my company? Absolutely they do. When you look at my logos and you see them on your website, they are representative of these very people I'm speaking with you about guys. Awesome. So it sounds like you have like, strong relationships with your staff and with even with young people in general what would you think are this what's you th what do you think of the workforce today what do you think of the nature that we're compared to you know the years gone by fantastic don't sit around and let people do all of that and make workforce great again to you listen to me um first of all for uh, some time now, it's been the thing to talk about those millennials. Now, I used to be the most magnificently mature millennial you would meet. However, <laughs> however they got too old for me, so I'm a next gen now. I still, <laughs> I, I still honor them, okay? And here's what I say about them. Uh, we love to hear people talk about millennials. Anybody over 35 has been a millennial. It depends on when you were younger than 35, what you got called. Some, at, at one point in our history, we called them hippies. We called them yuppies, yuppie, yupp, you know. Yuppies, we, yeah. Yeah, they've been everything, okay? But at the end of the day, it's like my dad said. It's not what they, you've heard it. It's not what they call you. It's what you answer to. My dad said a rose yeah. by any other name was smelling sweet. I was sharing this earlier with somebody because. Yes, I, we say that in Canada. Hey, do you? Look, uh, Shakespeare <laughs> said it first, but look, here's the thing. Well, to, to record it, uh, you know, to record it knowledge. Uh, here's the thing. I was sharing with this earlier, y'all. I got born colored, right? Mm -hmm. Then I became a Negro. Right. James Brown said, say it loud, I'm black and proud, and I did. Then right. when I applied for money at university, I had to check the box African-American. But that's when my daddy told me a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. It doesn't matter what they call you, you know. And so when you talk about millennials or this young workforce, the people talking about them used to be them. They just weren't being about them. And I love and I celebrate the energy that they bring. Is there room to learn? Yes. You do need to know the etiquette of the environment. Let me tell you something, though. Those millennials may have a hand up. And those next gens and those Gen Zs, they've got a hand up on these uh, folks who've been talking about them as of late. Because now that we're all working from home, they're mm. having to call some of those millennials and next gens and say, Baby, how do I hook this up? Right. How do I do this? <laughs> hey, hey, help me, help me uh, do this Zoom. And I heard somebody the other day uh, ask, how did I get connected to that? You know. And so, what am I telling you? I'm telling you in answer to your question about what I think about the workforce. I think the workforce is as iterative as is work. Work changes, workforce changes. Workforce changes, work changes. It's always going to be that. And we should celebrate it. We shouldn't be sitting around and, you know, bemoaning it. It's an opportunity for us all to have better futures together. I, I pray that these millennials, these next gens, these Gen Xs and zeros and everything, I pray that they just keep it going because I intend to live a long time. I will be wearing my stilettos once I am no longer sitting at a boardroom table. And mm -hmm. I want these babies taking care of this world once we get through this uh, COVID-19 pandemic. That's what I right. think of them. Did I answer your question? Yes. Now, something that I read that I thought was really fascinating was that 65% of children, they said, now entering primary school will hold jobs that currently don't exist. And that was from the World Economic Forum. I thought that was and pretty interesting. What are your thoughts on that? Somebody was going to add to your question, I think. What I was going to say is that fact that Dion just gave, it's, it's an amazing fact. And so I was wondering what credentials, experience, or skills, for that matter, are your clients asking for now that are new and different from in past generations? So you do append her question nicely because here's the thing. What clients are asking for now 
should not be the sole influence of what you're preparing to for mm. your future. Okay. Clients need to fill a need they have now, and that need may be outfitted around where they are now, where they are technologically, where they are financially. There can be a lot of predicates to when a client calls for help that they're looking for talent. But if you're the person providing that talent, if you're the employee, if you are the independent contractor, if you are the pro, uh, a project manager, you need to be thinking about what will life look for you further down the road. And so those are two questions you have to answer as you're looking at where you are. And they're always going to come out with part of the solution being upskilling. We just laughed a bit about all of these people laughing at millennials now coming to them to get them hooked up so they can work <laughs> from home. Um, I do think that it's really important for us to look at that. Look at where the need is. Now, this pandemic has lent itself to the idea that no matter where you are, if you have a healthcare skill set, you're going to be in demand for quite a bit. Okay. Uh, but it also should suggest to you that people are working differently. So you need to be prepared to work differently. You need to be technologically savvy. You need to be personally disciplined. Managing working from home is a big thing for a lot of people who've not had the privilege nor requirement to do it. And we've seen that in over just weekend in one major city. Now, most cities are now announcing they're safer from at home or various versions of lockdown. One major city in the U.S. had, on a weekend, their police force quiet as a mouse on a Saturday. By Sunday, they were being called out en masse. And it wasn't for violence in the streets. It was for violence in the home. Wow. People don't oh, wow. know how to live together at home. People don't know how to get along at home. They never had to spend 24 hours together at home. And so they're figuring that out. And some of them are acting out in the process of it. So, you know, no matter how well you skill yourself for the future, you've got to prepare yourself on all fronts. And you've got to learn to manage your own personal time well. You've got to learn how to be a part of a community and you're not sitting there smelling the coffee or smelling the breath uh, next to someone you're working with. And so there are many opportunities. I, I mean, I'm the perpetual Pollyanna here. Uh, I do notice what's around me. I didn't get this old and this, uh, and this wise by being stupid. I just know what to look at as right. well as what to look forward to. Mm -hmm. Before we move on, can you explain what is upskilling? So upskilling is about an accountant who learned accountancy in school and did not learn the technology to support the skill. So they may uh -huh. be very good at the principles of accounting and not be very good at delivering that to an organization that works virtually or uses different technologies. It also yeah. can be someone who's a secretary in a, in a tech company that's kind of in a you know, weird thing to find these days, uh, but they need to now learn to code and it's an easy transition for them to learn to code, but they still understand the organization and what they're coding to or coding for uh, so they right. can upskill with the, with, with the skill set of coding. So it's about upskilling yourself uh, toward using what you already know to improve you to a different level or a higher position. Well, speaking of upskilling, uh, HR.com did a survey and they said, you know, automation will play a, 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 a big role in the future of the workforce. Um, but they're also saying the future will hinge more on experts who wield smart technologies with 78% um, citing that smart technologies will be the most significant change by 2020. And we're in 2020, so they're kind of behind the times. Um, and it's already happened. I recall back, um, I can't remember exactly the year, uh, and I have been called into Washington, D.C. during President Obama's uh, latter term in office, and Bloomberg was doing some work, and I worked with them. And we were looking at challenges of tomorrow's workforce. And some of those challenges, very deliberate challenges, uh, uh, deliberately identified, uh, were around what do we do with the work week? 
Does it need to be a five-day work week? Um, how do we manage for uh, communities when people don't work five days a week with a weekend? What is a weekend? Now, what is a weekend used to be the question that royal people asked in, uh, in, in, in European communities. Now we'll start, and, and it's actually what a lot of people are asking right now, working seven days a week. Um, but all of these questions were derived from the idea that technology was really going to change how we work and it was going to change how much we work. And those are still things that I think will happen, even though we've kind of been put on alert and a little bit of a, you know, reset with the uh, COVID-19 pandemic. But automation has been impacting work for a long time. I think that as it's gained muster, just like the momentum. Now, mind you, I don't make great athletic analogies, but even I <laughs> can watch a ball game and I can tell when a team <laughs> is really on fire and how once they get that stride, everybody picks up on that team and they're just rolling and they're just rolling and bam, you know. And so that's what's happened with technology. I recall back when I started my company with the telephone, and I remember when I got a fax machine, and I've said it publicly, I felt like Judy Jetson. Now, a lot of y'all don't know Judy Jetson. <laughs> <laughs> we know Judy Jetson. George Jetson's wife was fly, okay? And she had that robot doing a lot of stuff for her. And I felt like Judy Jetson when I got that fax machine. You know, I ain't got to mail this. Are you kidding me? I ain't got to <laughs> the stamp, you know. And so that's how I started my business. And now I've got 32 managers on a call on a Zoom, and we're all sharing, you know. So uh, technology got into that swing, and we're we're catching up with technology after technology caught up with us. And so, yeah, technology is changing how people work. By the way, you'll recall that just a few minutes ago, seconds ago, I shared with you that that secretary who works in a tech environment can upskill and learn to code. We've also got four-year-olds, six-year-olds, 16-year-olds mm -hmm. learning to code. So upskilling is basic skilling if you are thinking about working for more than the next three to five years. So let me that, this, let me ask this question. Let me ask this question now. So, do you find employers are getting employees where, even, although they're educated, graduated from college, where they're what they're learning in college is not matching up for what's needed in the workforce, and there's still that time. Like I know when I graduated from college, there's that time where you have to kind of learn what the job is asking for. Do you find there's a disconnect, or college is preparing these graduates for the workforce? You know, it depends on the college. I mean, if you went to North Carolina A&T State University, I did, boy. Like, I did. <laughs> you, know, you, you, left, you, you left pretty much with the college, with the university uh, keeping its promise. Some schools don't keep their promises as well as others. However, the significant thing about what you ask, and it's so important what you ask, is that a lot of times, when people are looking for work, they've not studied appropriate to what they're looking for. We find that, and I'll get you some statistics on that later with the uh, uh, facts. What, what is it, the lady with the facts? Yes, appreciate uh, you. Uh, I'll get you some stats on that for uh, to help you going forward, unless you've already got it. But you have a significant number of people who pay really good money. Theirs, mamas and daddies, the taxpayers, you know, uh, they, they paid a lot of good money to get a diploma that takes them nowhere. And I think what the bigger question is, is how well are we preparing students to go into university because too many are coming out with degrees that are not applicable to the workforce, not that they weren't well taught, but what they were teaching is not what is the, I mean, you just yourself said the, the uh, job descriptions that we have today don't exist tomorrow, right? I had a client who told me, do you realize that over 40% of the job descriptions we have don't, uh, don't, won't exist and we don't have nearly half of what we'll need by 2024? Mm -hmm. Now that's really close. And by the way, this was an energy company. Okay, so we're talking infrastructure wow. where this, this is a challenge for too, not just new innovation companies. And so we have to start thinking about what are we teaching people before they get to university? Most people go to university and they lick their finger and they put it on the map and say, that's what I want to be when I grow up. So I'm going to study that. 
And they do that oftentimes absent to looking at, and the world will be here, and this is how that will be relevant. And so I'm a fan of doing what you want and, you know, chasing your own dream. I also think you have to be prepared for that dream long before that dream is going to pay for you. You have to be prepared to pay for it. And that means that you're going to work a long time and maybe not earn the money you want to earn chasing your dream before you get good enough and before you get competitive enough and before you get distinctive enough that now that dream pays you back. Make sense for you guys? Absolutely. <clears throat> and you have to be, I think you have to be what you're saying also too, you have to adapt to change. Because if you wanted to make widgets growing up, you may not be able to make the same widgets. They don't be applicable in today's world. And you have to learn to adjust and respond to that. And I think you as have well. to you have to either adapt to change or create the change. I agree. And here's my question to you, especially with what's going on with this COVID-19. My question to you is, I always believe that there's always the new norms. Because I know I've spoken to a number of people, and people even written to our show, they're, they're waiting for things to quote unquote go back to normal. And I, I don't think there'll be a back to normal situation. So my question is, and you laughed, exactly. There's people sitting around waiting for this back to normal. And I believe in any environment there's an opportunity that, you know, I understand what I have to do to protect myself, but I'm on the day, I'm on the, I'm looking for opportunities in this market. Honey, so my I question, don't want it to go back to normal. I don't want it to go back to normal. I don't want to make great work great again. Exactly. <laughs> so how would COVID-19, how do you think COVID-19 is going to change the nature of the work, work environment moving forward? You look into your crystal that. ball, and you have a great crystal ball, by the way. <laughs> so look we, into your we crystal ball. We, we don't need to see have a crystal ball to see. We're experiencing it every day. Um, more and more people are flooding the WebMD sites. More and more people are meeting the way we are right now. I think we are probably in three or four different locations having one conversation. Yes? Yes. Um, more and more people are thanking God that, you know, we moved to the cloud when we did, because had we yes. not, where would we be now? You know, you don't need a crystal ball to see the impact of COVID-19. I think more than what will change about how we work, because we were changing, we're just doing it quicker now. Um, I think the bigger thing we'll look at is not how will work change, but how will we change? How do we work with each other now that we're not working right next to each other? How will mm. we work as families now that we don't come home at five, we work wake up at five and we're together till bedtime? Right. How will, how will wow. we work as individuals <clears throat> who have historically moved around during our workday and now we have to be reminded that, hey, taking a break at home work, while working at home is not only uh, okay, it's required. Right. You know? So I think it's more about how does it change us, not just how does it change work. Does that make sense to you? Absolutely. Yes. All right. Well, stay tuned, everybody. We're going to take a quick break and we'll be right back with more JBH, our financial superhero. It's two black guys with good credit. So keep it locked. Two black guys with good credit. Hi, this is Janice Torres from Yo Quiero Dinero. If you own or operate a business, whether it's a local operation or a global corporation, partnering with Bank of America could be your smartest move. By teaming with Bank of America, you'll enjoy exclusive digital tools, award-winning insights, and business solutions so powerful, you'll make every move matter. Position your business to capitalize on opportunity in a moment's notice. Visit bankofamerica.com slash bankingforbusiness to learn more. What would you like the power to do? Bank of America N.A. Copyright 2024. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. 
Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today, we are talking to our financial super shero, JBH, Janice Bryant Howroyd. So, Miss Howroyd, JBH, in your book, Acting Up, one of your Janice-isms, you talk about marrying knowledge with experience and that success is transferable. Basically, winning habits win no matter where you are. But can you talk about that? Break that down a little more for us. Yes, I absolutely can. Let me use you guys as an example. Now, you're two black guys with good credit, right? Are you good credit or great credit? <laughs> yeah, I, I don't know about them. I don't Shana know about them, credit. but I'm great credit. I'm great. I think credit. I have very good credit. Well, the true answer to that is likely yes. It's also what are you measuring? And when we talk about marrying, um, marrying experience and knowledge to create wisdom, that's great credit too. Wisdom is great credit. Okay. And so as your audience is thinking about some of my Janicisms, I want them to think about you as well, because it's the knowledge you have, whether you gain that inside or outside of the classroom and the experiences you've had that brought you together to create this greatness. And by the way, your show is great. So, hey, applause to you. Thank you, ma'am. Um, thank you. Thank you. Two, two guys with great credit is something that anybody wants to understand the behind of. Let's look at credit, the word credit. Right now, people in my company are looking very carefully at the credit rating of the companies we do business with. That's quite a flip from two weeks ago when those same companies would have looked carefully at our credit. Now we're looking at theirs with the more preening eye. And so you want to measure the lesson. You want to measure where you are in the equation so you can understand the value. And the idea when I started my company was to not have any outstanding loans, not to borrow money, keep your cash under the bed. I mean, you know, the analogies can go on and on, right? to what constituted being secure to start a business. You even started this show asking me about how much money I had, you know, $900, $600 loan from my mom and $1,500 I was launched. Well, it's really important to understand where you are in the equation to be able to bring value to what you do. There is there was wisdom given me, and I call it wisdom because these people had knowledge and experience who were providing it. And they told me just as we were transitioning, we had a conversation just earlier about, you know, growing from small to midsize. They were encouraging me that I didn't have enough. I hadn't borrowed enough money. I needed to borrow money and have a record of paying it back in order to be credit worthy. Mm -hmm. And to my mind, because I've been focused on my craft and not the skill of my business, I, I thought that the fact that I didn't owe people money and hadn't have to borrow money to get to $10 million was splendid. I was about $10 million uh, company when I was told this. And they say, you better Hold start on, I just need to pause for one second. I think what you just said is phenomenal. You said you made $10 million without borrowing money from nobody, just to $1,500 from your initial money from your mother. Yeah. And so I was. Yeah, that's amazing. I'm sorry. I know you're not sitting back as relishing that moment, but to start a company and say you went to $10 million 
without having to borrow anything, I think is an amazing accomplishment. Yeah, but no, so, here's here's yeah, what's amazing to me. Yeah, but it doesn't benefit you is what she's saying, which is yeah. I still think it's amazing. I don't it, care. It, it, well, it, it, it was just, you know, uh, hey, look, I'm on my grind day to day, right? I should have <laughs> 10 million. But here's the thing, here's the thing that, that was amazing to me. They were telling me I had to go out and borrow money in order to establish good credit. And I just hadn't thought about it that way. So, um, so, so I think that the lessons and the genesisms that I give in my book are all geared toward people understanding the whole picture so they make the incidental decisions well. Right. I had not right. decided to borrow money earlier. And so I had to rush out and figure out how to borrow, who to borrow from, what to borrow in order to establish credit worthiness. Do you understand? So, so, so having good credit and having great success aren't always the same thing unless the success outweighs the need for credit. And that the, here's the, the, here's the second lesson in that. Once you're so successful, you don't need to borrow money and other people know it. All of those <laughs> are important. And other people know it. Right. Then More people, people ask you to borrow very money. Very credit worthy. Then people right. want to lend you money. We've had right. more banks approaching us now about lending us money than ever. But you go through those different phases. And it's important if you're going to be financially literate to understand the whole picture, then break it down into its some parts. Because we are always, and you guys know this, right? We are all, the whole is much more much more expanded than the sum of our equal parts. Well, so you Absolutely. had to figure out you had to figure out how to use other people's money to make money. And then once you figured once you did that now and you're a savage where you don't need the money, now it's being thrown at you. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. And 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 I'll tell you this. While the lines of our body's politic won't necessarily quickly go away, meaning, you know, historically we had oceans and mountains that pretty much helped define where our governments resided, right? People who live here belong to one community. People who live here belong to another community. People come up, they address themselves, they mature. And all of a sudden you've got nations, right? And <laughs> a, with a few wars in between that. But typically there was some geographical division that helped you have that. Well, technology has removed the geographical divide, right? And so as we work more in that environment, um, we're going to find that how we are establishing financial literacy and, fin and, and financial stability is good. I should say sustainability is good because you can get rich, but can you stay rich? Um, I think that's going to be redefined for people who are listening to your show right now. So they need to be more at it than I do. My son, who runs our staffing company, needs to be more at it than I do because you know, I don't intend to be wearing these stilettos under that boardroom table, I told y'all for too much longer. <laughs> um, and so he he needs to understand that. And so does your audience. Well said. Um, there was another really interesting th stat that I wanted to bring to the conversation. Um, there was an analysis done of the 25 uh, common most common skill sets today. Uh, researchers found that between 2016 and 2030, the demand for social and emotional skills will grow across uh, most industries by 26% oh, yes. in the United oh, States yes. and 22% in Europe. So I'm curious, what kind of industries are looking for these skills? Um, what's driving this and how do you learn them? That's across the board. That's across the board. Everybody's looking for that. Listen, uh, I don't know if you guys are familiar with my ABCs. My A is ask the right questions, then listen, listen, listen for the right answers. B is be where you say you'll be, when you say you'll be, how you say you'll be. Mm -hmm. How is what people don't get. They get the idea. Like you guys have these, uh, anybody I'm talking to doesn't have a cell phone. Okay, so everybody, everybody, everybody has a cell phone, right? And you can put stuff in that cell phone. It can dial for you. It can tell you uh, which routes to take to get to your location and how to switch it up. Uh, if you want to go, you know, get there quicker and save two minutes and, and make four illegal left turns to do it. It can tell you all of this stuff. 
it can tell you what time you're going to show up, where you're going to show up, but it can't tell you how to show up. And that is what's missing a lot. Now, a lot of that is driven and that data you have, I don't contest that data at all. I agree with it. I will tell you that you've got to put all data in context because data by itself is not information. It's information once you wisely apply it. Well, you don't have to wisely apply it. It can just be bad information. But if you want good information, wisely apply it. And here's the thing. We are caring about how people work. And a lot of that data is derived from what companies say they need in order to meet the culture of who they are. How do we service outward to our clients? How do we want to be represented? And how do we service inward to ourselves? How do we work together? But it's all about HOW. And so not H not WHO. And so when we are thinking about that, many people are coming into business cultures that were born from people who came from certain types of families, went to certain types of schools, and believed in certain types of values. And their workforce is shifting because they're now getting workers who are coming from different types of families, different types of cultures, and have different sets of values. People who went to work in those companies 20 years ago were going to work in companies where they expected to have to have at least three years of experience before they could be hired, that they would grow in that company if they did certain things and worked under the tutelage of certain people and had certain types of people as sponsors. And companies just aren't framing that way any longer when they find that the talent that's coming in isn't really looking for that. Talent today is more interested in what do you do to serve my community? You know, okay, I get mm -hmm. you're going to pay me this amount of money, but do right. I have to be at a desk at eight o'clock and leave at five to do it? And in the last three weeks, companies are answering that question. No, for God's sake, can you please work from home? And by the way, can you teach me how to do it too? You know, and so <laughs> a big shift is happening in a very quick time that's going to even change what that data meant and those dynamics around soft skill sets that you were reading uh, will mean to companies going forward. Workers, Thank you for that. Workers will frame a lot more about how companies look for talent than companies will frame how workers look for jobs as we continue in this journey of economics. Wow. I have a question I want to ask. So I know... And I'm sure you got, you've had this question a million times. What are young people looking in the workforce and so forth? But I think, you know, I want to acknowledge not just the young people, but the middle-aged people, the senior people. What, what would, advice would you give to them in the workforce and for those that are transitioning and looking to do something different? Because I think you should be always creating yourself, recreating yourself, trying to create yourself regardless of age. Um, you got to see yourself as you wish to be and then project that to the world. Now, this principle is going to work for anybody who chooses to use it, no matter what career they're in and no matter what age they're in. The second thing is, it's not just your right, but your duty to do big things. You've been given big gifts, so you have an obligation to use them. Some of us who grow up in my community say, to whom much is given, much is required. You got to use daily affirmations to change your own self-image. Now, that's something I know very deep, very personally, because I had some definite ideas about people who look like me. At this point, you know, my sister, uh, Zess, who uh, her name is Linda. We call her Zess. She owns a beauty salon back in Tarboro, North Carolina. Hey, Matt, she lives in Tarboro, North Carolina. And she told me something. She tells me many things. She's one of my sheroes. She, she told me once, she said, listen, girl, the older you get, what comes up comes out, you know? And I, I'm getting to that point where what comes up is going to come out. So, you know, I have to be careful when I'm talking with you young people. But my other sister, Sandy, told me something that's also on page 114. When I came to California and I was real worried about how I look and I want, you know, high yellow and have flow hair, mm -hmm. uh, she told me, I, I used to have opinions about what people said about me. And she said, don't let people live in your head rent free. If they're not contributing to the wholeness of where you want to be, stop mm. listening. Mm. Now, I listen to them, and then I put it on the side and say, if I ever want to hear that, I got it, but I'm moving on. <laughs> and if something, <laughs> is not, if something is not working for you, throw it out. 
you want something different in your life, you have to make your plan and execute on it. And then my last piece of advice today is the same last advice I give on 114 and acting up. Aim first, then shoot. <laughs> A lot of people shoot off the hip. And then they look around and say, how do I do this? How do I do this? Make a plan. Be well, be well resourced. Be well studied. You know, talk to people who've done it. If you want to start that business, go work in that in a business like that first. You, uh, you know, earn your stripes on somebody else's dollar. So I just really do think that we're living in a time where if we understand this thing and we don't step back to panic, rather we step back to restart I think we can be in a wonderful place at a wonderful time. And I just pray for all you beautiful young people that you continue doing what you're doing. Wow. Well, thank oh, wow. You. JPH, thank you so much. You, you are awesome. And, and I think aim first, then shoot is a great mantra we should all think about. But we're, we're going to take a quick break and then we're going to say our goodbyes. So everyone stay tuned and we'll be right back with more Two Black Guys with Good Credit. Two Black Guys with Good Credit. Welcome back to Two Black Guys with Good Credit, the show for the financially curious and the financially knowledgeable. Today, we've been celebrating a financial hero, JBH, Miss Janice Bryant Howroyd. And hero. one thing we learned is that great people come out of Tarboro, North Carolina. That's what yes. we learned. It's <laughs> a greatness. That comes the home now you know. Now you know. <laughs> but we, we definitely want to thank you. Um, JBH, we want to thank you for coming on and sharing your your excellence, sharing your information, sharing your knowledge and wisdom with us. You know, I will tell you this thing, two guys with good credit. I think you guys are a credit to the world in the work that you do. And it would be my uh, dream you. that it would be my dream that everyone could listen to your show as they are refitting how they uh, how they plan their days. I just think that now more than ever, we need you to to two guys with great credit to be a credit to, to be a credit to everything that we do. Amen. So I'm just shouting you out right now and it's been a joy to be with you. Oh, we receive yeah. it. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Well, I would like to say, um, Miss Howroyd, thank you so much from the bottom of my heart for coming on our show. You've inspired me and I'm sure you've inspired all of our listeners. So I, I just wanna Thank you for coming on. And I want to let everybody know, I mean, you're not even self-praising. Like, hey, if you want to learn more about her and read much, please read her two books, you know, Acting Up, the latest book in 2019, and the, and the first initial one, The Art of Work. And I found them all on Amazon. So please, you know, take a read of it. They're great books to read and great books to add to your collection. And once again, thank you so much for coming on our show. Hey, listen, God bless you. And no matter who you call God, call God every day, then shut up and listen. <laughs> mm, amen. I just wanted to say I felt truly blessed to just be able to glean so much of your wisdom today. Um, so thank you again. Was there anything you wanted to share? What's next? You know what? One of the things that people always uh, want to applaud is what I've done. And very seldom do in interviews, I get asked what I'm going to do. And I'm so glad that you're asking that question because we're building out across our enterprise so beautifully to support these virtual communities. Um, we are also I, just booming in all STEM. It was my dream and that was to be the last business I started before I hand the keys over to Brett completely. And ah. all STEM is just glowing. Uh, you guys visit, you see what we're doing. And so in the business realm, all of the companies start with an A because we give a, you know, a plus attention to what we do. Uh, I'm, I'm really excited about what's going to be in my next chapter too. And I'm, I'm, I want you to look for it. Had you asked me that about four weeks ago, I would have been able to share with you very distinctly what that means from a media perspective. Um, but now the opportunity is just so phenomenally expanded. I'm just mm. going to say, invite me back and let me show you. Absolutely. Okay. Oh, how about this? How about this? I may be inviting you forward. Hey. Oh. <laughs> Definitely. It would be an honor. Yes. Yes. Well, we'll just stay tuned then. Thank you so much. And uh, I just want to say to everyone who was listening, who had the pleasure of listening to this show, um, please email us your questions. 
to tbgwgc at gmail.com. I'm sure they're going to come flooding in. Uh, follow us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Two Black Guys Good Credit. And don't forget to leave us a five-star review to make it easier for others to find us. Like Nash TX, they said, terrific content for anyone. This podcast is great for everyone, from those starting out on their journey to financial literacy to fully-fledged financially independent entrepreneurs. They explain topics in a way the average person will understand with humor and a positive mindset. Two thumbs up. Thank you so much, Nash TX. We appreciate you. My name is Dion Nichols, the lady with the history, the stats, and the cold hard facts. Happy Women's History Month, and I'm out. All right. And I'm Matt Smith. Again, I also want to thank JBH. And this has been a great show. Go Tarboro. I love North Carolina. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I'm out. Oh, Arlington? No, I, I want you to do something. Uh, lady with the facts. You go fact check how many great athletes have come out of Tarboro, North Carolina. Oh, I'm on it. On it. And, 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 and once you do it, once you do it, I don't care who your guest is, you have better shout them out, okay? <laughs> done and done. Okay. Well, I too would like to thank you, JBH. I feel like you gave so many pearls, so many gems for our listeners and ourselves as hosts to add into our business lives, our daily lives, our spiritual lives. So I thank you very much. I'm A Forbes. You know me, people. I'm A Love and I'm out. You want the bottom line? <laughs> Go ahead. Sure. Yes, sure. Learn to invest money. Don't spend it. Powerful. Drop the mic. <laughs> well, I am letting her give my bottom line and I'm just staying silent. Thank you so much for coming on our show once again. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.